Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Let's bring in Connor Rogers. You can see him all over Bleacher Report. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who loves the draft more, uh, me or Connor. But uh, but I'm it's excited to ha- I'm excited to have you on tonight. How you doing? Great, Anita. How are you? It's always great to talk to you. So so I was in Vegas for the draft. Were you out there, or or did you stay here in New York at at, at the Bleacher Report studios? Where were you? We we did all our coverage from New York, our Bleacher Report studios, and then I was in SNY Studio Sunday. So everything from New York, avoid the Vegas chaos, uh, and get right down to business. Uh, well, it was it was. I'm not going to lie; it was a lot of fun uh, to sit there and, and watch the first round of the draft unfold at a a, a cabana at the Flamingo Hotel pool. Was uh, was 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 pretty fantastic, uh, as I was seeing a lot of my bets cash. But uh, with that being said. I just promoted the Jets, Jets fans, season tickets, get out there. What an exciting draft. And, and not to take anything away from the Giants, we're going to talk about them in just a second. Uh, but, but curious to get your thoughts. I mean, obviously, Sauce Gardner, I can't believe Garrett Wilson was there at 10. I, I, I think Atlanta really screwed up not taking him at 8. And then for the Jets to trade back into the bottom of the first round to get uh, Johnson, the uh, defensive lineman from, uh, from FSU, Really, round one was uh, was really stellar for this Jets team. Agree? It was yeah, it was phenomenal. There's no way around it. And I really like what you said about the second pick there and Garrett Wilson. That for me, he was the top receiver in this class. Anita, he was the guy that not only had the highest floor to come in and produce and be maybe a you know borderline thousand yard guy pretty early in his career, but I just loved everything about his game and the fact that they were able to get him at ten. You know, listen, I do this year-round. I never expected Garrett Wilson to make it to the 10th overall pick. Uh, their first pick with Sauce Gardner, it, this is going to be a really exciting player at corner that they haven't had that kind of talent at corner in a long time. Obviously, the last guy that, that had an immense amount of talent at corner wore 24 and Darrell Revis. And Sauce comes in, you know, a, a kid from Detroit uh, has had an awesome, awesome rise, former 170-pound recruit Cincinnati three-star kind of guy and turned himself into a five-star player size speed long arms can play man coverage can play zone coverage and can tackle so they're really really excited about him and then like you said going back into round one and getting Jermaine Johnson they need to pass for a shelf Carl Lawson is coming back from the ruptured Achilles so it might be he might be eased back in uh, they needed somebody across from him that can wreak havoc and wreak havoc and Jermaine Johnson the 14th sack season for Florida State uh, he dominated at the Senior Bowl. He was the best player on the field there for the first two days of practice where nobody could block him. I mean, if they kept him on the field, you can't even run a drill. So, And he's a good run defender. So they, the Jets, they need a blue-chip talent. They've been lacking that for a long time. This was this was the right draft to to address that. You know, there was uh, there was some talk, you know, well, you know, you got Zach Wilson, not sure what's going on with Mekhi Becton. Why didn't they address the offensive line position in the first round? Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts and, and what are you hearing about Becton? Because from everything that I'm hearing, he has not, he has not been to the facility. He did not attend the OTAs. 
and and there is some concern in, reg- in regard to weight issues and, and total commitment on his behalf. I think it's a really good question. I think it's a fair question. I mean, Equato to me was the best player in this draft, so I actually thought they were going to take him at number four for a long time if he made it to that pick. Obviously, they prioritized Sauce Gardner past Equanu, um, and he obviously went sixth to the Panthers. So I think what comes down to Anita, one, Becton being hurt last year, they believe when healthy he can get back to his rookie season form. Health is a huge question mark. It is, he's been banged up going all the way back to college, and obviously he was banged up his rookie season, and he missed all of last year. Now, the one thing that I look at, Anita, in this situation is maybe Joe Douglas was not ready to wave the flag or surrender that his first first overall pick uh, as GM of the Jets, he's ready to give up on after two years. One good year, one year where he didn't play. But I think you nailed it. The fact that, you know, he has a baby on the way, and that's the reason they're saying he's not at OTAs right now. Uh, after the birth of his child, they need him back there, and they need him in shape because they need him ready for summer. They don't need him getting ready during the summer. They need him ready for the summer for training camp reps against Jermaine Johnson, John Franklin Myers, and Carl Lawson, who he really could not block Carl Lawson last summer, and it was a big concern of this coaching staff. So they drafted Max Mitchell at the top of day three on the draft. He's going to be their swing tackle along with Chuma Adoga. They love George Fan. I think they're going to get an extension done with George Fan. He's going to be with the Jets much, much longer. But this is the this is the year for Becton. If he doesn't get it done this year, they're going to be looking offensive tackle early in the, in the first round probably or second round next year or in free agency. Yeah, Mitchell, what a great get for them considering he could play both right and left tackle. Uh, and, and what it, that's just, it's, it's really, it's priceless when you're able to, to draft a player, an offensive lineman who's able to play both sides, that's for sure. Then to get Brees Hall uh, and, and to, you know, create that one-two punch in the backfield with him and, and Carter. What are your thoughts on how they're going to be utilized, Connor? Oh, Brees is going to be a fantasy darling, and that's going to be a name that you're going to be talking about so much, Anita, and you already are. Uh, just the fact that, you know, I like Michael Carter a lot, and, and the reality with Michael Carter is he was the, you know, 1B or number two back in college at UNC to Javante Williams, and that was a great role for him. And he walked into a Jets situation last year. He got the start. He looked really good at times. And then he got hurt. Uh, I think this is great for everybody. I think Brees Hall, being about a six foot, 220-pound back with four three wheels, he's going to be the workhorse back. He can catch the ball as well. He has such good feel as a runner for Mike LaFleur's outside zone. Uh, he's going to be the guy. He's going to get the, the workload of touches. And it's going to be great for everybody because Michael Carter now can be more effective with the touches that he gets because he'll be able to stay healthy with a more limited workload rather than a workhorse workload. It's hard for a back that's, you know, probably around sub 200 pounds, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, to handle that kind of role. There's not a lot of guys in the league that traditionally have done it. So this gives the Jets depth in backfield. It gives them a, a true – they haven't had a nah, – the Jets have not had a – they're a team that traditionally has a really, really good workhorse running back. When you go all the way back to Curtis Martin, Thomas Jones, on and on and on, even Chris Ivory for a couple of years – They've kind of been missing that element of their offense. This coaching staff is obsessed with running the football. Brees Hall is going to be the guy. It's it's really, really exciting. Again, Connor Rogers joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see his work all over Bleacher, Espo- Bleacher Report. Um, so so let's talk about the tight end position for a second because I find this really interesting, right? Like They have Uzoma, uh, they have Conklin, and they go out and, and they draft this young man, of course, from Ohio State University, but uh, grew up a huge Jets fan in, in Rutgers. 
so I, I, with that being said, and, and from what I understand, he blocks just as well as he he can go out and, and be more of a receiving tight end as well. I'm, are you anticipating a lot of two tight end sets this season with this Jets offense? I am. I think they're going to live in, in that kind of personnel package. Yeah. I mean, yep. they went out and they paid C.J. Uzama. They went out and paid Tyler Conklin. Uh, Uzama's the guy that recently has been very banged up. So now this provides you a legitimate depth piece if somebody's hurt or somebody needs the breather that you don't change the identity of your offense. That's what the Jets are going to be. It's going to be a lot of 12 personnel, 22 personnel, get two backs on the field, get two tight ends on the field. I was saying this last night on SNY, Anita. I would not rule out with the creativity of Mike LaFleur that you see Uzama and Conklin at traditional tight end spots and even see the youngster and Jeremy Rucker get in the backfield as a fullback and, and move around as a blocker because he's that kind of athlete and running a split zone uh, run game at Ohio State. He's so used to blocking on the move against linebackers, safeties, and corners. So I think, Anita, they're really, really excited to have three tight ends that they could play on the field throughout the entire season. All right, so bigger picture here. You know, we've, we've been sitting here for the last seven minutes talking about uh, what the Jets were able to do in the draft. Now, how does that translate in regard to this coming season? You've got a number of people who believe that the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, you've got the Patriots. I know a lot of people are, are criticizing them for their draft class. Um, I actually, I don't have a problem. If you fall in love with a player, your analytics, which, by the way, the Patriots were ahead of the curve when it comes to analytics for a good five, seven years before the rest of the NFL caught on. So just marinating that for a minute. If you know, I don't have a problem with that organization going out and drafting guys that are, quote-unquote, their guys. Uh, and I do believe Mac Jones takes a step up. The Miami Dolphins obviously got better with a, a number of players that they added to in free agency. The over-unders at five and a half wins for the Jets this season. Um, as of right now, I'd take the over. I think they could win six games, but I don't, I don't know if they can be a 500 team. I'm not sold on that yet. Are you? I'm not there yet either, Anita, especially in this bizarro football world, right, where we live with 17 games now. No, but I know exactly what you're saying. Can they get the eight wins, right? That's what we're kind of looking at. I'm not there yet because the gigantic variable is Zach Wilson. Just nobody knows if he's ready to take that next step yet. Now, Anita, what they did was by getting Garrett Wilson, by getting signing two tight ends in free agency, uh, by obviously drafting Elijah Moore last year, right, uh, Brees Hall this year, on and on and on, all these offensive pieces. You paid Lake and Tomlinson. You have one of the better guard duos in the entire league. They want to know if Zach Wilson's the answer, where the excuses are off the table, right? Last year, things were not pretty. There was a lot of injuries. I didn't think the talent was that good around him. Uh, and I think he was much better the second half of the year compared to a tough start in the first half of the year. So this opens the door where you're going to have the answer on Zach Wilson. Now, I do think the five-and-a-half number to me is just low in general I, because they're a team that have they've built it where they can take the ball out of his hands and they can run the ball and they think they can play defense now to steal a couple of games here or there. I think that line is going to definitely move to six-and-a-half. I like it at five-and-a-half because I'm with you. I like it at six wins right now. Uh, you feel kind of comfortable with that, and you just wonder, can the quarterback take you to seven, eight, or nine wins, which is probably their ceiling next year. But the most important thing is they're going to learn if Zach Wilson is their long-term answer or if they've built a team that is going to be for somebody else. But I'm a believer in Wilson, but he's got to show it on the field. Again, Connor Rogers joining us here on 90.7 ESPN. Let's turn our attention to what's going on with the Giants. Man. Uh, when you've when you've got two picks in the top seven, especially in this draft, 
and uh, not one offensive lineman went uh, prior to uh, pick five. So you knew that you'd have your pick of, uh, of two of the three top offensive linemen after Carolina chose at six. No wonder the Giants went with Thibodeau. Now, very interesting. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Two things I heard about Thibodeau coming into the draft. One was that he likes football. He doesn't love football. And the other was some concerns about his immaturity level here in New York with New York media. Just were you hearing the same thing? Did you hear that at all? I did hear some teams that had some concerns with Thibodeau. Now, once again, I I really like Thibodeau. I've I've you know obviously gotten to listen to him speak at the combine. I I loved his tape on film. Uh, I thought he was I thought he had the most talent of any of the pass rushers in the draft. But just reporting the news of what other teams thought, there was concerns because if those concerns didn't exist, Anita, he would not have made it to the fifth pick. That's just the reality. That's how good this guy is. He's a five star recruit. He was great as a true freshman at Oregon. He got better all three years of college. Uh, he's a good tester as well. So, you know, and I think he's in the right situation, though, in the Giants. I really do. And maybe that's just me being hopeful. But I do think it's an organization that he can come in. He will focus on football. He plays really hard in my eyes. I know some people had some concerns overall about his uh, his overall effort, snap to snap. I didn't really see that on tape. So, the Giants, this was a, a home run swing. And I'm okay with that for the Giants. The Giants need some home run swings. They need a blue chip superstar. And Thibodeau has the chance to be that on the edge. And the way they played the board was perfect for them, right? Because you've got Evan Neal. At right, he's going to be your right tackle, I believe, next year across from Andrew Thomas. He started at right tackle in 2020. So, he, he, God forbid, right? God forbid you miss on Thibodeau or he doesn't blossom into the star you expect him to be. You, he's just a, a solid starter on the end, hovering around eight sacks a year. There is no uncertainty about Evan Neal. So, they had the door open to take a swing for the fences on one of the picks since they were picking twice in the top seven, like you said. Uh, and then and then some criticism came. A uh, number of analysts feel that they reached for wide receiver Robinson. Uh, not sure what's going to happen with, with Kadarius Toney. Uh, although I, I did hear that there was a, you know, a number of, of, uh, of scouts that felt that, that I had spoken to that felt that they did well with their drafting uh, McFadden, linebacker from, from Indy, as well as uh, Beavers, um, who can play linebacker and safety as well. I, all in all... Not not the overwhelming, yeah, Jets crushed it kind of response to the Giants draft, but but good nonetheless. So so I guess the feeling I'm getting is like the Jets an A plus plus plus, the Giants an A minus. You you're you're hearing the same yeah. thing? So when we did the grades, I gave the, the Jets an A, and I gave the Giants an A-. minus. So they're, they're pretty close to each other yep. here. The Giants was a, bit, a little bit more of a roller coaster after round one where I like Wondell Robinson for what he is. He's a good gadget player. He can play in the slot. There was wide receivers I liked better than him that were on the board. And, and the fact that this was out of their hands as a regime. But this just signaled to me, Anita, that they're out on Kadarius Tony because all the things that Wondell Robinson does best and how you use him is the exact role that Kadarius Tony plays. So it, that – in the top 50, and you use a top 50 pick on him. So you're really putting your stamp of approval and saying, this is our guy in previous regime's first-round pick. We don't really care about is what it kind of felt like. I like Josh Azudu. I think he can win a starting job for them at guard and makes them a little tougher and nastier. Same with his teammate they drafted later in the draft uh, in Marcus McKeevan. And, but the other pick that I was a head scratcher to me was Cordell Flott, 175-pound corner. He started in the slot the last two seasons for LSU, uh, man cover corner. There's not a lot of guys in the league that play defensive back at 175 pounds. He has to gain weight. I thought they were okay at slot. This didn't feel like the type of position that they needed to utilize a, a 
third-round pick, 81st overall on that kind of position. That's where I was a head-scratcher for me. But they made up for it later. I love Daniel Bellinger, the tight end from San Diego State they got. I actually like Dane Belton, the safety they took from Iowa that's played in the slot before, much better than Cordell Slot. So you see what I mean where I'm going here. Roller coaster draft. They found ways to make up for value that they missed on day two. Uh, they made up for it on day three. And I thought their round one was a slam dunk. Really quick before I let you go, what do you think? What, you think Kadarius Tony and James Bradbury are gone uh, before the season starts? I think they would like to keep Bradbury because he's such a good player when he's healthy. They need to figure out the money situation, and they just haven't found a way to do that yet. So that's one to keep an eye on where they'd probably like to have him. They just need to figure out how to do it, and there hasn't been a clear way. Tony, you're not going to get much back for him right now, so I don't think they'll sell low. Maybe they hope that he showcases himself over summer, and then he's one of those training camp cut times. You can get a better trade return for him. But with Wandell here, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to be highly invested in him anymore. Connor, great as always. Love when you're on. Uh, I, I could talk to you forever. Thank you, my friend. Anita, thanks so much. Always great to talk to you. Have a great night. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.